Hey Hope family, welcome back to another week of Hope Dailies. Last week I began a look at A.W. Tozer's The Knowledge of the Holy. We will continue using Tozer's work as an inspiration for our Monday and Friday devotional thoughts for several weeks. And in short order, we'll be looking at specific attributes of God. But today, I want to continue to set the table for us. And just like Tozer does, I want to zero in on what we mean when we say we are talking about attributes of God. And I've titled this episode, Once True, Always True. In logic, math, and other aspects of life, there are things that we say are always true. This, however, does not really apply to humans and humans' attributes or qualities. When we think of human attributes, we think of them as parts that make up the whole. In humanity, the whole often contains parts that seemingly contradict. As Walt Whitman once said, do I contradict myself? Very well then, I contradict myself. I am large. I contain multitudes. You have probably noticed this in others more easily than you recognize it in yourself. Consider an acquaintance, perhaps someone you only saw a few times a year because of a mutual friend. Through the conversations you share with this acquaintance, you begin to form an opinion on them. For sake of example, let's say you find them to be generally agreeable, but slightly withdrawn or introverted. Then after you have established this opinion about them, their name comes up with someone much closer to them. Your thoughts on them begin to seep through and their friend says, really? That was your impression? Well, I certainly enjoy his company. I I find him to be quite stubborn and always wanting to be the center of attention. Both of these understandings of this person can be true. You have limited experience, and according to that experience, you know them to be mostly quiet, agreeable, slightly withdrawn. Their friend knows them to be stubborn and an attention hog. This individual contains multitudes. A few weeks ago, I had a Sunday at church that I described as very pastoral. By that, I meant that just about every conversation I had with someone had some weight to it. Individuals seeking direction and guidance, others looking for comfort, and others looking to spend a few moments in prayer. And I was happy to attend to each person as best as I could. I was attentive, patient, caring, and sensitive to the needs of the moment. Then I went home. Leah asked me an open-ended question, hoping to engage me in conversation. I snapped off a quick nope and sought to move on to something else. I was absent-minded, short-tempered, selfish, and distracted by personal wants and desires. And all of this within a few hours of one another. We are large. We contain multitudes. If this is true of us, how much more is it true of God? He contains multitudes. But within God, there are no contradictions. Certainly, we may feel like the attributes of God must be in conflict, but that is because we are thinking in human terms. When I am merciful and just, I'm normally one or the other. When I'm full of grace and full of truth, it's normally just one at a time. But an attribute of God is something that God has revealed to us about himself that is true of who he is, always. As Tozer puts it, the harmony of his being is the result not of a perfect balance of parts, but of the absence of parts. Between his attributes, no contradiction can exist. He need not suspend one to exercise another, for in him all his attributes are one. All of God does all that God does. He does not divide himself to perform a work, but works in the total unity of his being. This is not how we work. So this is often not how we think of God. 
In Exodus 34, 6-7, God declares of himself, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who by no means will clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. To human ears, this is an apparent contradiction, and you don't even have to go further than two verses to get there. God is merciful and gracious. God forgives iniquity and transgression and sin, but he also hands out punishments over three to four generations. Which is it? Is God slow to anger, or does he hold on to a grudge? God is merciful and gracious. God is just. These may be difficult, if not impossible, to hold intention for humans, but these simply are who God is. He cannot contradict his nature. I alluded earlier to John 1.14, which says that Jesus was full of grace and truth. You needn't look further than social media, news media, or your own conversations to recognize that humans seem incapable of both. We must favor one over the other, if not abandon one altogether for the other. But Jesus is full of both at all times. As we look at the attributes of God in coming weeks, know that these are what we know to be true of God. He does not possess them as qualities which sometimes shine and other times fade into the background. These are who God is as he reveals himself to his creatures. What we know of God, we know because he has revealed to us through creation, see Psalm 19 and Romans 1, through his word, and through his Son, see Colossians 1. Let us marvel at the God who contains multitudes, but is absent of contradiction. The God who is merciful, gracious, and just. The God who is full of grace and full of truth.